0: My name is Rod. My pronouns are he and him. And uh, welcome this morning. It's lovely to be back in the building for the first time this year. There's, uh, I think, Tamsin gave, or put a couple of these on tables. Uh, I think there are a couple more over on that table. If you like to colour in, I will not be offended if you're colouring in the whole time that I'm talking. That's totally fine. And there are a few extras over there if. There are not enough for your table. There should be some colored pencils in your little silver buckets. But if, again, if you don't have the colors that you need, uh, you can go over to the table where there's a, or on the floor, there's a big thing of colored pencils. Um, I am going to begin just with a little prayer. Creator, be with us now. Help us to be aware of your presence with us this morning and guide us towards justice and truth and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as Tamsin said, this morning is really about the Common Grace materials. And in a few minutes, we're going to listen to Uncle Ray Minican, uh in a conversation with some of the staff from Common Grace, Bianca and Safina, who we were introduced to in the Acknowledgement of Country, and also Gershon, who's the, the CEO. So I don't want to take up too much of their time uh, because they are the priority this morning. But I did want to quickly introduce the series that we're just starting. And this is the perfect week for starting this series because we're looking in this series at some of the traditions and strands and influences on who we are as a community and how we do things. In my weekly note, for those who are new on our Facebook page, We just post a little video, weekly note, to let people know what we're doing each week. And I talked about the idea of a spice rack, that in our community we have endeavored to increase our spice rack so that the delicious stew, pun intended, um, that we create in this community is flavorful and nourishing and full of life. But last night, I don't know about one in the morning, a a different metaphor came to me which I thought was more appropriate for this morning, Uh, hopefully a metaphor that can flow through this series and and help us to kind of make sense of this idea of strands and traditions that feed into who we are. And that is the idea of a farm or a garden. The church that I grew up with was a, a farm, kind of like this. It was it was a monocrop, and it was an introduced plant, and there was kind of one strand, and that was the work of John Calvin, uh, represented by wheat in this particular picture, and. As I reflected on this as the kind of farm that I grew up in spiritually, I thought there were a few different characteristics of it uh, that are perhaps some characteristics that we're hoping to leave behind. So one was that idea that um, to be a Christian, you go around the world planting exactly the same thing everywhere you go. And that thing is probably European. And your mindset, and this is, it it connects beautifully with what Safina and Bianca were saying, your mindset when you arrive in a new place is not to respect what's already there, but to treat what's already there as a weed or a pest. I was watching a, a documentary last night about the pearl trade in Broome, and even though the local Indigenous people were essential to that pearl trade, they were still at a legal and municipal level defined as vermin. And that's the mindset of that form of colonising Christianity that I grew up with, where everything that isn't the one thing that you grow is a weed or vermin, is a pest, and needs to be guarded against. And the last thing, too, is that one of the results of that lack of respect for the soil and the climate of the place that you find yourself is that you can, through growing the wrong thing, make it impossible to grow anything in that place. Um, Another documentary that I would highly (laughs) recommend is... a. It's on Netflix, it's like a twins study on nutrition. One twin has a plant-based diet and one has an omnivore diet. And in that documentary, they're talking about beef farming in the Amazon and basically the way they cut everything down, burn everything, create pasture, and they can use it for maybe three years with cows before the land is desertified and then they have to cut down more of the Amazon. And there are ways in which Certain forms of Christianity, certain forms of spirituality do that to places that they find. They destroy everything and make it even impossible for the spirituality that they bring to survive long in that environment. Anyway, I don't want to take up too much time. I'm really just planting this as a seed. This metaphor is a seed. There's lots of ways in which we could talk about it. There's lots of ways in which we could nuance it. Um, I've presented it in a pretty blunt way, let's be honest, um, but hopefully, yeah, planted a little seed about perhaps what it is that we don't want our community to be, and it feels like a good seed to plant on Aboriginal Sunday. Um, and perhaps what we want is a garden that is more diverse, not necessarily so many big cabbages. Um, I didn't have much time this morning to find the appropriate picture, so I ended up with just a meadow with cabbages. Um, That's not what we aspire to as a community, just to be clear. But at least there's a bit more diversity in this picture than in the wheat farm. Um, And I guess our aspiration as a community with the garden that we're growing here, the spiritual garden that we're growing here, is that We begin by finding out what grows here in the way that uh, James Cook, in the way that the early settlers didn't, I guess Joseph Banks did a little bit, let's not (laughs) let's not push the metaphor too far, but um, you find out what grows here in the first place. Um, Along the Merry Creek here, one of the things that grew in abundance was um, like a yam called Myrnong. This is a or daisy yam, that's a plant that I had no idea about until I did a little bit of research this morning. So that's the kind of work that we invite ourselves to in this community, to try to get to know what spiritually grows in this location that we find ourselves. And then if we are gonna add things, to add things that suit this soil and this climate, that suit this place and this time. And I guess that's what we're gonna be talking about in. In weeks after this week some of those other strands some of those other plants that perhaps come from other parts of the world but which we feel can grow in harmony with what's already here spiritually if you've read dark emu you will know how many lost opportunities there were in the story of colonization in this country all of these plants all of these crops that were so well adapted to this country which were ignored or destroyed and replaced with crops that destroyed the soil within a generation. So yeah, that's the metaphor that I want us to use in this series to go, what are the strands that we are bringing from overseas, from other traditions, from the history of Christianity, that might grow alongside and harmoniously with the forms of spirituality that are already here? And that help us cultivate a sustainable and harmonious relationship with country okay so that's enough from me (laughs) um but i just thought it was worth as we introduce this series just planting the seed of that metaphor and as we go into future weeks to keep this week in mind to keep in mind the fact that we are on stolen ground, that this land had original custodians, had a spirituality, that creator put Aboriginal people here as custodians and stewards, and that every strand of spirituality that we introduce to this place has to be done with the acknowledgement of that reality and in harmony with that reality. So the materials from Common Grace start with a few passages from Scripture that they um, recommend. So we're just going to look at those. There's three of them, two very short and one a little bit longer. Um, Would anyone like to read a passage for us? If you you volunteer early, you get to read a short one. Thanks, Mark. Yes. so the first one is a passage that is dear to our heart, Micah 6.8. Micah 6, eight. God has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what is required of you, to act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Thanks, Mark. Um, the second one is also just a verse, Isaiah 61.11. Anyone else want to do a short one for us? Thanks, Ben. For as the soil makes a sprout come up,
1: and a garden causes seeds to grow, so Yahweh will make righteousness,
0: and praise spring up before all nations. Thanks, Ben. Um, So while you're thinking about whether you want to volunteer for this one, um, Psalm 116, 1-12, this one contains a verse that we're going to have Uncle Ray Minikin talked to us about after this, so that's why um, they chose this passage and it has kind of significance in the colonial history of this nation. Um, would anyone like to read it for us? Thanks, Jess.
2: I love you, Yahweh, for you have heard me, c- my cry for mercy. You have listened to me. I will call on you all my days. The bands of death encircled me, The messages of Shul ambushed me. I was overcome with trouble and sorrow. Then I called your name Yahweh. Help Yahweh, save me. You are gracious, Yahweh, and just Yahweh is compassionate. You protect the innocent. When I was brought low, you saved me. Be at rest once again, my soul, for Yahweh has been good to you. You have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from banishment. I walk before you, Yahweh, in the land of the living. I believed even when I said, I am completely crushed, and in despair said, no one can be trusted. How can I repay you, Yahweh, for all your goodness to me?
0: Thanks, Jess. Um, Yeah, so let's listen to this conversation, Common Grace staff, with Pastor Ray Minikin. He's a pastor up in sydney has worked for a long time in glebe and is um, yeah just a wonderful representative of aboriginal and torres strait islander theology um, so let's listen to this conversation
3: the first time that i came to this monument and this place was almost accidental because uncle ray had told me about it years ago and told me about the first text Of Psalm 116 verse 12. So when I found it, all of a sudden I started listening from the floor up, from my feet up, and what I noticed around me was all of this hustle bustle, all of the busyness, pedestrians, all these huge buildings, and it grieved me how the land had been covered, completely covered, cemented over, paved, we cannot see the land here. And yet I could hear it screaming, and I could hear within my spirit the voices of ancestors who have not received peace from justice and right relationship. I could, I could feel them coming all the way through, and I could hear them through my feet. The monument itself is very beautiful, but it's amazing how people just walk past and don't even notice it. I wonder if we'll stop to notice what it is reminding us of. This call and invitation to give our best gift back to God, a response of gratitude, a response of standing in our identity that he has called us into to be his body, to be his representation of love and justice, mercy, humility, and community here in these lands, there is this deep invitation, but it's a challenging one. It's special to be together here on Gadigal Country, and special to be together as well for Aboriginal Sunday, the first Aboriginal Sunday post Mm. the referendum.
1: And reflecting back on William Cooper's call for us back in 1939 where he called all churches around Australia to take the Sunday before January 26th as a day prayer and solidarity with Aboriginal people and a day of reflection as well about what was lost with the coming of white colonisation. It has extra resonance in the light of the fact that we know that that moment is at the heart of the messiness I think in the Australian story. We're here
4: with Uncle Pastor Ray Minicon. Uncle Ray has come to us and has on his heart for the Australian church on Aboriginal Sunday this year to actually go back, to reflect on the very first sermon ever given uh, on this land we now call Australia. Um, So Uncle Ray, I wanted to pass over to you and I'd love to just ask you, what led you to want to focus on this for Aboriginal Sunday 2024?
5: It's not the first sermon only, it's the first Biblical text that was ever preached on this soil, Aboriginal land. When you see the monument, what nation around the world has got a monument to a Biblical passage that asks this incredible question? What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? That's such a powerful question. It's not something for us Aboriginal people specifically to respond to because it was addressed to the convicts and now it's addressed to this country and this nation. And these are the beneficiaries of that convict era.
1: What about those settlers and those convicts that were hearing this sermon for the first
5: time? So I think they would have been like a lot of Aboriginal people uh, very ambivalent to that message mm. what's it got to do with me where's my benefit i'm stuck here away mm. from family away from everything i'm still under the judgment of a judge and i've got a judge here who's gonna and and military who's going to keep me under their controls so yeah
3: i think about the gadigal people who would have been watching from a distance If they had 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 that scripture translated into their knowledge and understanding, they would have so much to say and answer and explain about how here in this place, this sacred space...
5: On that monument, still sits as a testament, as a sentinel, as a witness to what this uh, country is uh, supposed to be addressing. And so it's a very, very deep uh, national question. I think it goes to the heart of the challenges that this country faces with uh, Australia's First Peoples. What shall they render unto the Lord for all of their benefits towards Him? And they're the beneficiaries Of our dispossession and so it's up to them to ask or respond to the question
4: you know we look at the Uluru Statement from the Heart and this generous invitation for voice treaty and truth and so I think coming back to that moment and for the church to look at the first Bible reading on this land how do we reckon with that how do we actually at work this ministry of reconciliation that God has given us to be in right relationship, to reconcile people to God, to creation, to each other.
5: I think we've been buried so much for 200 years under this whole notion of uh, uh, colonial oppression that it's almost uh, killed a lot of our dreams off. Yeah. And the Statement from the Heart brought those dreams yeah. back into some kind of reality for us Voice, treaty, and truth. It was a simple requestion. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? Truth, treaty, voice. We could have got there. You had the opportunity, but the country refused it. That's the sadness of it all.
3: Is the church willing to even begin and then Further from that, continue to be the example of love and truth that this gospel of Jesus is.
5: They're not answering it faithfully, they're not answering it biblically, they're not answering it theologically, they're not answering it politically, they're not answering it even personally. And if they want to preach the message of Jesus to my people, then they're going to have to show true justice, true truth-telling, and a better way forward that actually gives us some kind of practical substance to believe that there might be an opportunity for some kind of reconciliatory processes. But at the moment, there isn't. So I'm, I'm hearing some of that, Uncle Ray. I'm hearing a heart for
1: the church to set itself up and pursue its distinctiveness. I almost. Paralleling the cause in the Uluru Statement of the Heart within its own institutional structures. By speaking truth, by listening deeply to the voices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, by pursuing processes of reconciliation.
5: It's listening to the voice of God, it's listening to what He has given us in His book about what he knows justice is, what justice looks like, what justice feels like. So what shall I render unto the Lord? (laughs) Is what God is saying to the church. What shall you render unto the Lord for all the benefits he's given you? Look at this country.
3: I think we've still got a lot of business to go. Mm. And by asking this question, perhaps it's a chance. That's what I meant by a grace. Mm. Another moment where we can be given the chance to wrestle and rumble with these questions together and get right within ourselves, within ourselves and even bigger within ourselves. I'm grateful that we can have these hard conversations which seem like there's not easy resolution to. But see, that's why we need God.
1: I feel like we are answering some of that question as we speak, even though we, we're acknowledging that it has to keep being asked and we have to keep wrestling with it. That question was asked as the very first biblical question reflected upon in a church in these lands now called Australia. As a, as a person of faith, I think I have some sadness as I reflect upon. The response that we came up with I think could have been so, so much richer and have had such a big impact on the history and shaping of our nation. Uh, I feel like there's an answer echoed throughout the Bible, waiting just to be heard in response to that question. I was thinking about the prophet Micah, where the people of Israel are asking a similar question. What does the Lord require of me? We should be people that pursue justice. We should be people that pursue mercy. We should walk humbly with our God. We should be people that love our neighbor as we love ourselves Um, and that should be the thing that forms us it sounds like I'm hearing from you guys we know the
5: answer perhaps it's not an answer but a solution or or a pathway Um, because that pathway is going to take a long time to bring into play
1: absolutely
5: that's the depth of hope isn't it yeah. But that's what Jesus brought through the cross and through his resurrection. He brought that kind of hope, that there is a new beginning. There can be a new birth, a new way, a new creation. And I think that's the message that the gospel, or what Jesus brought to the earth and brought to us, in that one little phrase, for God so loved the world.
4: And I think today is probably a perfect opportunity to do as you have just challenged us, to refresh and to recommit. I think of that passage, if you love me, you will keep my commands. May we be challenged to take God and Mm -hmm. his voice and his word seriously. And as you said, that long path, planting that seed that needs constant watering, nurturing, healthy soil. I pray that we would commit mm. to nurturing that seed that it may grow and flourish mm. as we, as God intends.
5: First sermon, is, or that first text actually, What shall I render unto the Lord? It, 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 it's, it's the language of exchange. What shall I give in return? Napalji, Napalji. It's How do you create this kind of equality? And so that monument down there Mm. has this capacity, I think, Mm. if we listen to its challenges, it has the capacity to actually change us, refresh us, saying we can do better. We've got an opportunity at a new start. Yes, we lost the referendum, but that's not the end. And we're still here, God is still here, and he's giving us these other opportunities to do that. And so we've got to create those opportunities. We can create with him. He is our creator, we are children of our creator, and we have these opportunities to create new ways, and new pathways for, a, for the future. That's the hope that I live with, yeah. that the church can change, the governments can change, that the people of Australia can change, if I didn't have that hope, then I wouldn't want to be a follower of Jesus. It would be a, a religion of hopelessness and helplessness. And so this is my hope. Amen. So, what shall we render unto the Lord? <laughs>
0: So I can see that Corwin is ready for communion, so we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll be quick. I'm also conscious of the time. Um, so I'm just gonna leave these questions up for one minute on the screen for you just to have a reflection on, or to reflect on. Um, you might, you can just do that within yourself. You could chat to the person next to you at your table if you want to. But um, yeah, was there anything that stood out for you in that conversation? Um, what can we return to God for all the blessings God has given to us as a, as a nation, and what are the implications of this passage? Uh, the thing that really stood out to me in that video was just watching Bianca's bare feet walk up the steps of that monument. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't have to be anything in particular that stood out for you, but just one minute now, in yourself or with a person next to you, just reflecting on what we just listened to. And then we'll move to communion. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, Feel free, yeah, to come back to these questions after we finish, because, uh, yeah, great, great questions to come back to. Um, Just before we have communion, um, this is... A Prayer for Reconciliation by Joshua Lane, Konolu and Ladilman, and I'm gonna get Amy to read it for us.
6: Our Creator God, we humbly come before you today, acknowledging the weight of our shared history in Australia. We acknowledge that we are all made in your image, and called to live in harmony with one another. Yet as a nation, we've fallen short of this calling, and we ask for your guidance and wisdom to enable us to become agents of change in pursuit of reconciliation with one another. We pray for the courage to speak up for the marginalized and oppressed, and to be a voice for the, genera- a voice for the generations that have suffered under the weight of racism and discrimination. May your love and grace inspire us to take action towards healing and reconciliation, and to work towards a future where all are treated with dignity and respect. Help us to listen to the voices of those who have been silenced for too long, and to work together to see restoration and healing. May we be guided by your love and grace, and may our actions be a reflection of your goodness. May your Holy Spirit guide us towards a future where love, mercy and compassion reign. We pray for your hand to be upon us as we work towards reconciliation and we entrust our efforts into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Amen, thanks Amy. So as we move to communion on uh, Aboriginal Sunday, uh, there are so many uh, Ways of engaging with or reflecting on this ritual. That's the beauty of it. It's like a jewel with so many facets. And I guess the facet that I want us to reflect on this morning is that Jesus' death was at the hands of a colonizing power, that Jesus lived his life as a long act of nonviolent resistance to the crushing power of empire of nonviolent resistance to religion that tried to dominate rather than liberate. And that just as God is on the side of the poor, not the rich, God is on the side of the colonized and not the colonizer. So with that in mind, I'll invite you to, to come forward if you would like to. There's never any pressure or expectation for people to participate, but there's also no reason for anyone not to participate if you want to. But what we do is we come forward, um, take a little piece of cracker, a thing of juice, um, hopefully there'll be enough, and then when we are in kind of a loose circle, we will pray and then eat and drink together. So as I say, feel no pressure to come up, um, but you are. everyone is welcome to come up and take a piece of cracker and a thing of juice, and then we'll pray together. Just going to finish with this uh, benediction, written by Adam Gowan, a Wiradjuri man, called Hands and Hearts. Great Ancient Spirit, our source, one who has heard cries for justice from eternity past, instill us with strength to pursue the world you imagine. May our hands find tasks that bring hope to those around us. May our hearts find joy in joining with those who seek your kingdom. Yahweh. Amen.